Johnny Erickson Tata, was paralyzed from the neck down. The simplest of chores took unimaginable work and suffering. After hearing the great difficulty of her morning routine to just get ready, a lady once said to her, Oh, Johnny, you always look so happy. I wish I had your joy. How do you do it? Johnny said, I don't. She knew her heart would be bitter and joyless without the help of God. So she would pray this, Oh, Lord, I don't have the strength to face this routine one more time. I have no resources. I don't have a smile to take into the day, but you do. So may I have your joy, your strength. God, I need you desperately. Today we want to help you care for your heart, or more accurately, ask God to care for your heart, especially your wounded heart. I'm Taylor. And I'm Brian. And this is the Echo Podcast. Where we are looking for truth in the noise. Hey, Taylor. Hey, Brian. How you doing? I'm doing well. How did you survive the snow? Well, you know what? It's not 2020, so it was easy, and it was fine. It wasn't a big deal. <laughs> That's right. 15 below turns out to be cold, but what our family noticed was, you know, like it was 30 degrees this morning, and my daughter was like, Dad, it's awesome outside. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yesterday, if I remember, it was like 50, and yeah. it's, in the morning, it was very much snowy, mm-hmm. and then by afternoon, it was it was predominantly gone. Yeah. And this is one of those times where no matter where you live in the U.S., you can kind of identify. Yeah. I mean, maybe a few yeah. people up in the Northwest missed this, but uh, yeah, it was it was crazy. We did build an igloo, and that's the last thing, last kind of reminder of the snow left in our yard. Gotcha. <laughs> a little blob of snow left. I was just really happy my, my girls didn't start singing Frozen. Oh. We, we intentionally stayed away from it because mm-hmm. we didn't want to deal with that (laughs) that would have just been one more thing that you did not need one more log on the fire (laughs) so hey what do we got today well today we're going to be focusing on caring for your broken heart we've been focusing on care for your mind your body and today we're going to focus on heart so let's start with hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 and it says see to it that no one misses the grace of god and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Brian, bring us up to speed on the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. Well, if ever there was a person that could have had a bitter root grow up in him and cause him all kinds of trouble, it's Joseph. So uh, you remember there was Abraham and he had a son named Isaac who had a son named Jacob who had 12 boys. The second to youngest was named Joseph. And the text says Jacob loved him more than the others. Strike one. Strike one? What do you mean? Uh, Playing favorites never ends well, as Mm. we see throughout Scripture. (laughs) And as we see in our own lives as well. Yes. Uh, Joseph did not exactly make matters better. No. He, you know, kind of bragged to his brothers about this. And so they were very jealous of him. He got a Technicolor dream coat or something from his dad. Yeah, uh, I heard a song about that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So his dad showed him, gave him preferential treatment. His brothers were angry. The short story is they threw him in a well. They thought about killing him. Instead, they sold him into slavery. Joseph was trafficked into slavery. He ends up in Egypt 
where he's serving someone named Potiphar, who's a powerful man in Egypt. Potiphar's wife thinks Joseph is handsome and makes a move towards him. Bow, chicka, bow, wow. <laughs> he, he runs away. He flees. He does the smart thing. And there's a whole, uh, whole sermon right there. But uh, she accuses him, and he ends up in prison. So strike two, yeah, if strike we're not, two. maybe we're already the three or four at this point. Pro- Lots of probably. strikes. And we don't know all of the timeline for how long he was uh, uh, in slavery and in prison. We're not sure of the whole timeline, but it was long enough. Uh, it doesn't take long in those situations. So anyway, he's in prison. And again, you're like, man, he's just going to rot out his life there. But instead, he's able to interpret a dream. Uh, and he's becomes the number two man in all of Egypt, really kind of running the kingdom because he interprets this dream, realizing that there's going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. So he says, we better save up all the food so that Egypt won't die during this famine. And Pharaoh says, okay, you be in charge of it all. Chapter 41, verse 57 says, all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because their famine was severe everywhere. Genesis 47, I should say. Yeah. And, and so everyone was going there, including Joseph's family. Dun, dun, dun! <laughs> What's so, a twist? Yes. And so they show up and they see their brother, but they don't recognize him. One, they think he's dead. Right. Two, he would have looked very different. You know, he'd been uh, going from a, a young man, teenager perhaps, to a grown man, you, you know, in all of the Egyptian garb. Yep ingrained into that society. They're not even yep. looking for him at this point. Nope, nope. And so uh, anyway, through a series of kind of tests and uh, figuring out what to do, he brings his family and reunites with them in Egypt. And you would think that once they get there, by the way, everyone in Egypt is happy. Pharaoh's happy about it. He gives them a great piece of land. It seems like this reconciliation is complete. Joseph is going to forgive them. But we get to the end of the book and we realize there's still some undone reconciliation. And it's not on Joseph's end. It's on the brothers who are still wondering, is Joseph going to have vengeance on us at some point in his life? Yeah, because that sounds like the most common and most natural outcome is that, well, I'm not going to do certain things until maybe dad dies. And then when dad's not around, then I'm going to take my revenge because... I'm still angry and bitter, and I've had it up to here with what my brothers have done to me. Yep, and that's exactly kind of the way the brothers had already lived their life, getting vengeance when they felt like it was deserved and warranted. So when dad does die, Jacob dies, uh, they again are fearful of what Joseph uh, is going to do. So uh, in all of this, uh, Joseph has this maturity about him that is just really phenomenal, and there's so many things that we can learn of how he had this wisdom from God to navigate through all of the situation. Yeah. I think that um, Joseph, he realizes that in spite of everything that's been going on, um, uh, he's he's been abundantly kind to his brothers when he didn't have to be uh, caring for not only them, but their families, while also taking care of Egypt and the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. And to me, it's some people would say it's surprising, but I think the brother's reaction to the to Joseph's kindness, even when their father dies, which is oh gosh, he could still do something. I think that really just kind of emphasizes the guilt and shame that they were still experiencing yeah. and feeling during that time. Um, but Joseph realizes that, in spite of all the goodwill that he's done, 
there's still more work that 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 has to be done and even though it's coming from the brothers um joseph realizes well he's gonna have to do something to kind of even that out and reconcile it i think yes so i want to read genesis chapter 50 verses 15 through 21 yeah when joseph's brother saw that their father was dead they said what if joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him so they sent word to joseph saying your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father when their message came to him. Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done and saving many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. When you hear this, what kind of jumps out at you, Taylor? Um, I think for most of us, we're going to hear that God is working evil for good. We hear that again mm -hmm. echoed in Romans. Mm -hmm. Paul references Joseph more times than I think we realize in that. So that's the first thing that I, that, that pops to my mind. Uh, the second thing is um, Joseph cries and yeah. God hears him. Yeah. And God doesn't berate him mm -hmm. for being emotional mm -hmm. and for wrestling with what's happening. I, I, I think that's kind of intriguing. Yeah. Any, any, anything in particular that you're wanting yeah. to bring out? Yeah, no, I, I, I read through this whole story again this past week, and it just struck me again that Joseph is really, really generous here. Yeah. You know, for him to just say like, ah, you know, it was for good. Yeah. Oh, what a statement. Could you, would you have been able to have done that? I don't know if I would have. I don't know either. I, I would love to say, of course, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm a Christian. I want to follow Christ. Mm -hmm. Hmm. But when the rubber meets the road... Yeah, you feel like uh, I would want to forgive, but maybe I would have at least taken a bag of grain and whacked him really hard with it yeah, one time maybe. just to get out that aggression. But Or just been like, hey, here's what one day as a slave is like. Oh, by the way, here's what prison mm -hmm. is like. Oh, by the way, here's what ha is here's what uh, having your name be smirched and yeah. drugged through the mud is like. Oh, by the way, here's what it's like uh, when uh, you think your father thinks you're dead. Ooh, goodness. <laughs> oh, goodness. Can you imagine? So it's a, it's a beautiful thing that we... Uh, get to see from this text. Derek Kidner uh, says each sentence of Joseph's reply is a pinnacle of Old Testament and New Testament faith. Mm. And Joseph says for these four statements, am I in the place of God? By the way, he's echoing something his father said earlier. Um, secondly, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Third, I'll provide for you and your children. And fourth, it says he reassured and spoke kindly to them. So for these four things, there's really just four kind of applications, big principles of what do you do when your heart's been broken that I want to point out. And Kidner mentions these. Tim Keller uh, mentions these and kind now of in we're different ways. And now we're going to mention them. This is our own little really spin. Good. Yeah, this is our own little spin on these. So uh, number one, when your heart is broken, leave all the writings of wrong to God. In 2 Timothy 4, Paul writes about a man named Alexander who had done much harm to him. But then Paul says the Lord will judge him for what he has done. So it's not Joseph's place to do that. Joseph says, am I in the place of God? 
And that's pretty hard to do because we like to get the revenge ourselves. Absolutely, because we are, because of our sinful nature, we think that if we take matters into our own hands and if we deal justice how we think it should be done, that'll somehow satisfy our emotional state or our mental state. And the reality is anytime we take matters into our own hands, it is a corrupted distortion of what God has, what he has designed and how he really wants things to be handled. Um, we see that throughout all of Scripture. I'm thinking of the, the book of Ruth. I'm thinking of Judah and Tamar. I'm uh, Cain and Abel. Uh, Adam and Eve. Just just any time people take matters into their own hands, especially when it comes to revenge or outside of God's justice, it doesn't end well for anyone involved. Yeah, and it, this text implies, as the Bible reaffirms elsewhere, that it is God who dishes out ultimate justice, mm. and that's a good thing because that means we don't have to. It's a, it's not our role to do that. So then, like, should we not adhere to or submit ourselves to authorities or other institutions that aren't, if you will, God-based or biblically-based? No. Uh, I would say that's jumping too far unless they're asking us to disobey God. But I would say that what this text says is that we don't have to get personal revenge mm. uh, to right all of the wrongs that have been done to us, that we get to leave that to God. And that should be a, a freedom-giving thing. So number one is leave all the writings of wrong to God. And number two, see God's hand in man's wickedness. And that's what Joseph says. He's like, hey, you intended this for bad? but God has done something good out of it. It doesn't mean that being sold into slavery was a good thing. It was a terrible thing. Right. But God turned that terrible thing into something good. And so that's the faith that we have in that God is moving even when bad things happen to us. Kyle Eidelman encourages people to reframe the question. So instead of asking, what is the reason? Instead ask, what is the purpose? Ooh, I like that. So... Uh, and you've probably, you know, I just you and I talking know that you've been wrestling through, like even in your own family with health things going yeah. on. Of, of, have have you thought about like what what is the purpose here in all of this? Absolutely, but that's usually the last question that I ask. The first question usually is, what have I done hmm. that I need to fix, mm -hmm. or is there something that I'm being punished for through my wife and if that's the case then that's a really messed up god that i serve mm -hmm. and those are all the beginning questions um that help me see my poor responses and mm -hmm. that i realize how sanctification is this beautiful process yeah so i get to work through honestly my own sinfulness and how i'm dealing with certain things going from oh god why me why her why is this happening um why are you doing this to now, what do you want me to see? What what am I supposed to learn from mm -hmm. this? How do I see you in this situation? And many people wouldn't really focus on the questions, but I think the questions are greatly revealing. Mm -hmm. Less than the answers, the questions yeah. we ask during those times, um, I, I think they're very important. They really yeah. reveal where our heart is in relation to our trusting God. Yeah, that's really good. By the way, when we come to this perspective of seeing God's hand and man's wickedness, it doesn't excuse man's wickedness. No, it doesn't. Not at all. It just means that we're looking for where God can still work in the midst of that. Yep. And we also don't get to say, well, the devil made me do it. <laughs> we, we, we can't say that yeah. either. Yep. Okay. Number three, repay evil with practical affection, kindness. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said the chain reaction of evil, hate begetting hate, wars producing more wars, 
must be broken or we shall be plunged into the dark abyss of annihilation. And I think that the way that Jesus lived is the ultimate person who took what was evil and redirected it and returned practical affection. That's loving those who persecute us and caring for our enemies, loving our enemies. So this is a spiritual decision that Joseph was able to make caring for his family. Uh, this purposeful, I will be kind to them. Pete Wilson says, what you inhale is what you exhale. So Joseph, it's clear, was spending time being nurtured by God's grace and God's goodness, God's love for him, because that's what he was able to exhale to his family in that really difficult situation. So if you're intentional to inhale God's grace and forgiveness, I think that it's going to be much easier to exhale that when the going gets tough. For musicians, um, we hear that phrase, practice makes perfect. Um, I had a music teacher who hated that saying, and they said, no, 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 what you practice, you will perfect. Mm. So if you practice anger, if you practice bitterness, and to practice means to intentionally try to get better at something, you become ultimately what you practice. Mm -hmm. So what are you trying to get better at? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Number four, forgive as God forgave you. Ooh, I think this is the hardest of, of, of all of them, oh, to, to be yeah. honest. Yes. I like what E.B. White said said grace can be dissected like a frog but it dies in the process <laughs> oh, <gosh>. <laughs> <laughs> oh maybe seminary students need to hear that one a little bit uh, i'm having flashbacks to ninth grade biology <laughs> oh, man. i mean the frog wasn't alive moving on yeah but i, I don't want to discourage you from studying grace please keep studying grace reading about grace talking about grace but the real power is from god when we practice grace that's the ultimate classroom where we accept god's grace in our lives and then we dish it out to others. And as Jesus says, 70 times 7, pending the translation there, 70 times 70. In other words, a whole bunch. You forgive, you forgive, you forgive. And sometimes you may need to forgive the same person for the same act because it comes back into your mind and it begins to haunt you again of like, get revenge, get revenge. And just over and over and over, you keep praying that prayer of God, help me forgive this person until finally... God helps you move past that. And you may have to keep coming back to that prayer, but there's great power in that. And sometimes we see that as weak, but really it is a beautiful thing of God saying, you don't have to let your life be controlled by this hate or this animosity anymore, which will ruin you. So let's echo this back. Here are four things to think about when we deal with a broken heart. Number one, leave all the righting of wrongs to God. Number two, see God's hand in man's wickedness. Number three, Repay evil with practical affection. And number four, forgive as God forgave you. Let's leave you with this story. Reverian Rungwangwa saw his family hacked down during the Rwandan genocide. He lived but was maimed in the attack. He survived but became a homeless refugee. In the midst of despair, one sudden discovery gave him hope. This Christ, disfigured, bruised, hacked away, pierced, cut, he looks like me, he said. He looks like a young Tutsi from the Mugina hillside, dismembered on April 20th, 1994 by men who should have been his brothers. He looks like the victims of the Tutsi genocide. He looks like all victims of all genocides, of all massacres, of all crimes, of all wrongs. That is our Christ. He loves you too. 
I'm Taylor. I'm Brian. And this is the Echo Podcast. Where we are looking for truth in the noise. Thank you.